today we are approaching an incredible convergence of events and it's going to precipitate an emergency that we've never seen in our lifetime because food shortages are coming. And that means food prices are going up. Already, you've probably seen it when you go to get your food, when you shop, when you go out to restaurants, have you noticed the prices are going up? Even, even at the lowest end of the spectrum, McDonald's has increased prices by 6% in the past few months in preparation for a huge hike is what rumors are saying. And that's the reality is no one really knows how bad it could be. This inflation could be as much as five times the cost of things now. And it's not all types of products, it's certain key products and foods and resources and energy. China urges citizens to stockpile daily necessities. That doesn't sound good. Meanwhile, over here, we shame people for hoarding anything. Oh, you have too much toilet paper. Oh, you got too much, you know, food storage. Meanwhile, other countries are preparing for something. And check this out. Many store shelves are empty and it might be the new normal. Food shortage at Norristown area high school raises concerns because, you know, many of these kids, the only full meal they get is at school that day. So we've got systemic problems, no doubt, but we're about to hit a convergence of systemic problems where it's not just empty shelves, but it's empty cupboards and empty fridges and freezers and empty stomachs. UK food shortages, supermarkets may start rationing meat ahead of Christmas amid gas crisis. So again, a convergence of factors. It's not just food, it's gas. So heating, transportation, all other industries. This is all gonna tie together. Millions vulnerable. Egypt hit hard by the rise in global wheat prices. Global food prices surge as inflation spreads. Wall Street Journal, the Middle East Eye, we're seeing this crop up everywhere. Bloomberg, Forbes, NPR. I mean, literally everywhere across the spectrum, it's, this is being talked about. This is being highlighted. This is happening right now. Current food shortages, what your business will have trouble getting right now. What about later? What will your business rely upon later that won't be available? We're, we're reaching a point where if we're not regenerative with our business, we're not constantly healing, constantly generating our own natural capital in, in such a way that's protected, resilient, anti-fragile, we're in real trouble. And the real question is, is this really the new normal that we have to just accept? There's a lot of, you know, people in power or, or mouthpieces for power that are saying things like, oh, it's just because people are greedy that we're having shortages. It's just because people want their Christmas shopping to happen quick and quickly. And that's why there's shortages. It's a good, it's a good sign. It's a sign our economy is doing well. Or is it something much more dangerous and they're trying to just cover up what's about to happen? So let's look at this because in permaculture, 
The prime directive is the only ethical decision is to take responsibility for our own existence and that of our children. Make it now. That's Bill Mollison, co-creator of the concept and the word permaculture from his 1989 designer's manual. It's really important to understand that we need to take responsibility for ourselves and for our children because the way things are going, no one else is going to do that for you. You may live in a great community. There may be safety nets, but if everyone's facing the same crisis, those services are going to be overrun, overtaxed and depleted faster than we can believe. And so it's really critical that we're prepared that we can take responsibility. We have the ability to respond. That's the responsibility. And so that's that's what we have to cultivate. We have to be able to respond to the challenges of the day and the future. So permaculture is that solution. It prepares and protects individuals and communities by partnering with nature. And the number one thing that we're so good at in permaculture is food. And we started this conversation with a food crisis. I know there's some converging things going on, but primarily we're talking about food, okay? We need food to survive. Our communities will quickly turn into complete chaos if food itself disappears. You can have everything else in abundance, but if you don't have food, you do not have a stable social or economic environment. And it's the primary focus in permaculture. We actively and passively grow food. What does that mean? Well, we're gonna be having our gardens, but we're also gonna be having these things like food forests, where there's food growing all the time, or at least as far through all the seasons as possible for your area. Some places you'd be really surprised to find out that you can grow food year round, even in the cold temperate many places. So growing food passively, perennials, food that just doesn't need tending, food that is basically wild. So partnering with nature in this way, we can store water in the landscape. This is me installing a food forest in a completely dry and dead area, and boom, life, boom, food. And it really is one season and it's just like that. And there I am. Look at me. There I am amidst nothing but food. And amidst all that food are the, the, the trees, the babies of the future system. So there's perennials. There's a food forest built into this system of annual, like actually, you know, food edible cover crop is what it was. It was food cover crop. And so this, this is all possible. You can do this, this kind of abundance. The basic concept behind that is you fill in all the layers of the food forest. And when you have all the layers of the forest in there, the weeds have a really hard time coming in because all the spaces are occupied. Now, water. This is, you know, another primary focus in permaculture. We want to slow it. We want to sink it. We want to spread it. We want to save it. We want to store it. We want to filter it and purify it. We want to treat water so well and we want to capture it. I was talking to someone last night about how much water they can get on their site and they couldn't believe it. They're only getting eight inches a year. They're on 2.5 acres. They didn't realize how many gallons of water that truly is. 
and it's stunning. It's over 500,000 gallons of rain every year falls on that property. So we can do this. It's completely possible. And and when I told them that they were overjoyed, I showed them the math. It's very simple. It's very easy. It's in my book. And we have the abundance of water, even in dry places like Arizona, California, the water is being mistreated. The water systems, the water sheds, the hydrological cycle is completely being misunderstood, misrepresented, mistreated, degenerated, and we got to restore it, regenerate it, bring it back online and have it be this nourishing powerhouse underpinning everything in the ecology, everything in our society. And in the landscape, this can look like putting in swales to recharge the landscape by having water passively just soak in. You could also be doing key line design. Key line design is a system of diagnosing and designing the landscape for the most hydrological benefit. So you can spread the water out to the ridges, so you can trap water and use it throughout the year, so you can evenly incorporate water into the landscape, and so you can design a farm to work and operate logically and, and such that you can calculate your return on an investment just by using a map. It's, it's really nice. And so it, we can look at it here and see it actually being applied in Saudi Arabia to great effect. So with swales using the key line design method and swales are strategically used in key line design method, we can see that in only a few years, we can transform sites from barren desert to grasslands and food forest once again. Neil Speckman did this work. This is the Albeda project. He has a lot of new projects emerging. He's working with seawater and agroforestry, rewilding coastal areas because it's the coastal areas that are the most fragile and the most important for all human survival. This is the Los Plateau project. Again, you can see them putting the terraces in there, holding that water in the landscape and what an effect it had. What an incredible effect it had. In California, they concrete all the waterways and it heats up the water and it evaporates as it's traveling, exposed to the open air and sunlight throughout most of California. So they're gassing off the water as fast as possible. They're preventing the flood plains to exist. So all the life, all the filtration, all the interaction, all the slowing down of the water and cycling doesn't get to happen. So toxins don't get to be removed. Water doesn't get to be purified. Animals and biodiversity don't get to, get to be developed. And you end up with a, a system that's prone to flooding, a system that's prone to losing so many millions and millions and millions of gallons of water just in the regular process of operating. It's a, 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 an insane system. So we need to bring back the floodplains. We need to bring back all the different layers of, of what streams should have. And we need to bring back the meander so that streams can wiggle and waggle and life can interact and all the purification, the enrichment, and the benefit that comes from rivers and streams can actually be had. And then even in our home, we could be storing water from our roof and putting it into different, all different sorts of types of tanks. 
uh, and storing that water, drinking that water if we filter it, or using that water in the garden. And we still may filter it if we use it in the garden. Uh, and one of the ways to filter it is a gray water reed bed system. This is an incredibly simple and passive way to treat our water and it works incredibly well. And then we can be growing our own medicine. Now, before we get into Matt, are you a doctor? Uh, these are just things that you all know are medicinal. So turmeric, I take turmeric almost every day. It is amazing at helping my digestion be less inflamed. It is as powerful as hospital anti-inflammatories. And that's in studies that I've read, medical studies. They're absolutely incredible. I love turmeric. I'm always going to try to grow turmeric wherever I live. It's actually surprisingly hardy uh, and, and, and can handle some pretty cold temperatures. So check that out if you are into turmeric. It, it's, it's unbelievable. And if you're not into turmeric, you might just like make the oils from it or juice it and put it in something and just get it into your diet because it is so good and powerful. Mint. Mint, I mean, like this is the easiest thing that gardeners grow, right? That Like this is the thing that it takes over, but you know there's medicinal qualities to it when you got a stomach ache and you have that, that mint like this or the peppermint and it feels so much better. I, I, I drink mint tea every day, so I love it. I know it well. And it legitimately has mild medicinal value. And, and I've actually grown a lot of different herbs. Uh, I've wanted to grow crazy things like wormwood and because that has, artemisia, has cancer-fighting properties. And I was always looking at medicinal plants. And there are so many medicinal plants that we can just grow that have extreme effect that that we, we we were paying at stores to buy in supplemental form. So I don't, I, I feel really strongly, because I, I used to study herbs, and this is what really got me into all this originally, um, was trying to find alternative methods for treating cancer. And this is an interest because my wife has had cancer over a half dozen times, and uh, she's had it in her bones. She's had it, she's lost her thyroid because of it. She um, has had two types of skin cancer, um, but we beat it every single time for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, maybe <laughs> you should check out my book, Unstoppable Enthusiasm for the, the 411 on all that. But my point really is, is that there really are medicinals that have value from the mild to the legitimately powerful to, to the newly emerging. Um, and, and I know it's an ancient, you know, cannabis is ancient and all, but this is newly emerging as an accepted medicine in our societies all over the world. And so I just put, you know, I just want to put it in that light, but people are, are growing this. People are treating cancer. I know so many people that have treated cancer and saved their lives because of that plant. So, so I, I know it can be controversial for some people. Um, I, I, I know it's, it's helped children. Um, there, there are non-psychoactive forms. There's you know, CBD. There's, it, it's, it's incredible, the spread and the potential and possibility and the amount of help that, 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 that it's done, both to, to people all over the world and people that are closest to me. It really is incredible what it has to offer. And then fiber. 
because we, we, we have clothing. Uh, this is organic. This is one of my shirts. But we have clothing. We have rugs. We've got blankets. We've got, you know, uh, we, we cover things with fabric all the time. Fiber to create that, the fiber textile industry is also one of the greatest polluters. The microplastic problem is like, largely them from doing the laundry from all the, the terrible clothing. So buying 100% cotton, buying 100% organic is, is incredibly important. And then I believe that in the future, you know, developing systems, so at, at point of release in our homes or in the sewer systems, in the suburbs or in the cities, that we actually treat all these things for the microplastics right there and then. We have biology digested and then we take it out of the system. Tangent, I know, but but it is all possible. Animal fibers. This one's pretty self-evident. This one's pretty easy. We can be growing animal fibers very easy. So there, you could be even having rabbits that you'll be growing and you can just comb them. You don't need to cut their, their fur off or anything. You can just... You're not even shaving them, like shearing or anything. These are, you're just like grooming them. Jute. Jute is actually a really tall plant with beautiful tiny flowers that look like miniature sunflowers. It makes this really tough stem that actually becomes that, this, these jute bags that we have everywhere. So it's made of a plant that's really fibrous with a long fiber that's really tall and skinny. And, and that's why it looks that way. Hemp, if you look at this, it's much finer, much finer fiber. It's a lot softer. It, it It's a competitor with cotton. It used to be way more valued than cotton, actually. All of the rigging, all of the ropes, all of the sails, the constitution, like all these things were, were written on and, and, and built out of hemp. And so hemp has been with us for a very long time. Uh, and yes, it's part of the family of cannabis. So uh, the fact that cannabis was outlawed as a whole, both the medicinal side and the, the textile side, made hemp illegal for a long time, even though it was non-psychoactive, even though it was well-established as a textile crop for hundreds and thousands of years and continued to be globally all over the world even after we banned it to this day i mean that's why canada is way better at this than we are because they never they never did that so it's really important to understand that that hemp is a fiber an incredible fiber and and cannabis and hemp in general are going to be part of the semiconductor industry in the future too so we're going to be having hemp in our phones to make the circuits work better so it's not just this textile or med medicine. There's also biochar. There's semiconductors. There's bioremediation. There's a lot of aspects to this that are going to emerge as, as the narrative becomes more open to cannabis. Cotton is one of the most used fabrics, and we can grow it ourselves at home. It's not hard to grow. I love the pale green cotton. I used to have pants um, that color. It's It's got a long history of pesticide use. It does not need 
pesticides or herbicides or anything like that. It can be done completely regenerative. John Kemp has proven that and he's helped many, many cotton farmers get away from that old past of doing the things that way, talk, making the soils toxic. And he's now helping them make their soils amazing and make regenerative organic products. So there's a new day coming for cotton, but it's also something that you could do DIY at home. And this is Timothy and Walter. These were my Angoran goats and I love them and I would shear them regularly and their wool was so nice. I always wanted to collect enough to work on it, but we moved to Missouri and I started working for Baker Creek. So I actually gave these away to a beautiful family. So fiber is surprisingly easy. Fuel, wood products are an incredible fuel source, but we need to start thinking more strategically because after a tree is 20 years old, that's when it begins to sequester carbon. Not before. The first 20 years of a forest, they're gassing off carbon more than they're sequestering it. Pollarding, using trees to create an enormous amount of stick vegetation growth that you can just cut down every year, compost or biochar or burn cleanly in such a way that you can get heat, energy, light, power, biochar, all sorts of resources come out of this, but there's no disturbing the, so the soil, there's no disturbing the roots, and there's no cutting down of a tree, only limbing. So obviously these are willows and other trees that can handle this type of treatment are the ones we'd be using for this. Not all trees grow back in this way every single year vigorously. Willows are exceptional at it, and but there are other trees that do it too. Rocket stoves. Now, when you take those sticks, you can then feed them into a rocket stove, and then you can have that heat conduct into thermal mass. Rocket stoves burn cleanly. They recycle and reburn the smoke, and they move the heat through it until it exits as barely smelling air that is warm or cool. It's an incredible innovation. Erica and Ernie Wisner have done such great work in this space. Check out the Rocket Mass Heater Builder's Guide for more on this. And then energy. The user must pay. We can't avoid the reality that we have to give to get. We have to generate energy. We have to consume to create. But. We need to design our energy systems to be as passive as possible because there's a lot of opportunities here and there's many modalities. So if we design our house to hold in more energy, hold in more heat or to naturally cool itself at the same time during different times of the year, we create a passive model, but it even goes beyond that. We can generate energy passively too. This is an actual place. It was in operation for over 70 years in Ontario, Canada, and it's a compressed air plant. So falling water would compress air and that compressed air would turn turbines at a mine. That means that there was no toxic release of gas. There was no pollutant release. There was no 
CO2 active release while that energy was being generated. Installing the system, you know, I'm sure they burned plenty of fossil fuels, but operating 70 years, this proves that we really could design smart systems. We can design cities to create compressed air, especially those tall buildings. We can design so many things to passively collect heat, passively build up in energy in all sorts of ways. If it's just turbines we need to turn, there's plenty of ways to do it. Biogas. Have you guys checked out home biogas? You can take organic matter and you can decompose it in this bounce house system. Um, it's not actually a bounce house, but it's the same material as a bounce house. So it's like a giant liquid filled bounce house that generates biogas that you can use for cooking, you can use for heat, and I'm pretty sure you can use for energy, but it's not as much energy as you think. The gas holds a lot of volume, but doesn't burn as efficiently as the, the gas, the natural gas you would buy um, from a service. Biogas is a little bit harder to burn and it goes faster. So because it's not under pressure, it's not truly compressed like the way our, our tanks that are compressed that we buy are. So biogas, I've used it. Um, it's awesome, but you have to understand that it's not enough unless you get like a newer model. This one right here, this was like an hour of cooking. So for some people, that's enough time, a uh, one burner, one hour. But for me and my large family, it was not. So biogas is very useful, but it's just one of the modalities that you're going to need. All of these things, all of these ideas, we need to combine into a holistic energy solution. It can't just be a one size fits all. So small wind turbines and water turbines can be incredibly effective, incredibly powerful. They're easy to fix, easy to service because they're small. They're inexpensive to get involved in. And while they don't give us a large return in energy, we can't depend on them for everything. They give us supplemental energy constantly. And so if we have a battery backup system, or if you have something clever like a battery backup system that is a water battery, not like a lithium battery, like where you're moving water, pumping water up a hill, and then as it comes down the hill to turn the turbine, you can really make this work for you. So small solutions combine for a more complete, larger holistic solution. Shelter. We can design our shelters to be climate smart. We can design all of our buildings and our shelters to take in energy from the sun when it's winter in larger amounts and to take it in in lesser amounts in summer when it's hot. We can use things like thermosiphons. We can use things like low-grade geothermal cooling. We could use things like wallapinis, which are proven to grow bananas at 6,000 feet in the middle of the Andes in winter. So it is all possible. You could be doing cob. You could be doing earth bag building. You could be doing all of the above, combining it all. You could be making affordable shelters like my friend Miguel. You could be making things out of hempcrete like my friend Joy. 
And above all, all these things, what they all lead to is mental well-being. And it's it's the basic fact that gardening makes people happy. And many people, it's plants that make them happy. And it's not just young people. It's not just active outdoor people. It's all ages and all people are affected by this. There's antidepressant microbes in the soil. This is has made the rounds. The studies are, are being replicated. There's soil bacteria that work in similar ways in antidepressants. And people are getting their hands in the soil and feeling better. On top of that, they're forest bathing. They're getting out into, into nature and they're seeing that it makes them feel different. It makes them fundamentally have a different mindset and perspective on the world around them. And that's because not only is it mental health, it's physical health. They physically are getting stronger and more resilient by just being in nature. Time in the sun. Many people are afraid of the sun. Many people see the sunlight as dangerous. But the reality is it is the only way that we can transform the vitamin D in our body to be the right form for us. Not only that, it has so many benefits that we're still learning, we're still figuring it out. There's still people developing theories as to what the sunlight can be doing. It's that stacked, it's that complex, and it's that powerful. And above all, it brings us together. We get outside together, we have fun together, we spend time together in a place that makes us feel good. And over time, this leads to an abundance. And it's not just squash I'm talking about. You could be getting an abundance of seeds, abundance of food, abundance of medicine, an abundance of fuel, an abundance of energy, an abundance of biodiversity, abundance of variety. This is Masanuba Fukuoka. Larry Korn provided these pictures for my book, The Permaculture Student 2. You can get that for free on my website, thepermaculturestudent.com. And he partnered with nature, Masanuba Fukuoka. And Larry Korn learned from him this, how to partner with nature to create an abundance in a gentle way. Jean-Martin Fortier has been applying permaculture, has been applying regenerative methods to have not just a competitive, but a leading market gardening business, teaching people all over the world best practices in growing food, using permaculture, using regenerative methods. And it works and it has led to his success. The abundance you see is the foundation and means for all local economies and small businesses. And these individuals that create this abundance are producers. They're self-reliant. They're productive families and individuals. And they serve as the fundamental building blocks of strong and lasting communities. Communities must be largely based on bioregional natural capital because nature is the bedrock of all economies. Community health and prosperity is dependent on natural capital. We also have a regenerative collective past. Part of the reason why it's so hard for archeologists to find evidence of certain things and cultures is because that culture was compostable. They lived regenerative. They partnered with nature so well, they left no trace. The thing is, what we overlook in the history that we look at in schools is that beyond the written history, beyond the history where we left trash that we could find later on, 
there was a regenerative collective past where we were so partnered with nature that we had compostable cultures. People ate, people were fed, they created art, they, they met and they, they shared stories, they had rich, rich existences. And it was all regenerative and it was all compostable. And it was the majority of the time that Homo sapiens have been around. So if the past 10,000 years are the snapshot we take and we say this is what humanity is, then we're going to get a very skewed picture when we look at the past 200,000 years and see that we've been regenerative the majority of the time. So we know how to do it. It's instinctual. That's why we're so drawn to the garden. We're drawn to the forest. We're drawn to these wild spaces. We're healed by them. And, and we're so confused by, by people that want to make this connection. Uh, people get given names and pigeonholed and pushed out because they, they, they say this connection is real. Well, now we've got the science. N not, not only is it something that's just a, a feeling inside of us, we've got the proof. So we have to remember this. It's inside us and we can use that as like a, a guiding lodestone on our journey for that truth. So we've done it before and we can do it again. But the hour is late and the need is great. So get yourself and your family ready. A permaculture path for personal preparedness. Number one, mental and skill preparation. You got to be ready for this. You got to have the skills. Do you know how to grow food? Do you know how to save seed? Do you know how to raise animals? Do you know how to breed animals? Do you know how to think in a crisis? Do you know how to think through all the potential problems, how to organize things, how to prioritize things? Number two, food and water preparation. Do you have a food storage? Do you have a seed storage? Do you have a living food storage around you in a food forest or garden? Do you have water in storage? Do you have a way to filter water? Do you have a way to have water in large amounts captured over time? Number three, fuel and power preparation. Do you have backup fuel? Do you have the ability to create fuel like biofuel? Do you have the ability to generate power? Whether it's a solar panel as a, as a backup option, I know there's a whole world of you know, toxins and, and issues with that. But, but if you are just going to start off from scratch right now and there's going to be a complete blackout, you need some means the ultimate back up to, to, to tide you over. So you may need some fuel. You may need a, a solar panel. But you also could be looking at this carefully and thinking about all the things we just talked about. You could be generating your own biogas. You could be generating your own passive power. You could be getting a few of these turbines. I've got the water one. It's, I actually have a wind water one, I have a dual purpose one. Um, but you know that only charges a certain level of thing. But that covers that. So I don't need to tax my other, other things with that now. So it's really important to stack, combine, and create a holistic answer to all these things because your budget's going to constrain it. What's available is going to constrain it. What you can operate is going to constrain it. So do your best, but realize that you need a way to generate fuel and power. You might 
be planting willows around your pond. You might be doing things that are going to generate the wood you will need. There are so many options here and there's so many possibilities and potentialities. Number four, site and home preparation. Are you harvesting water in your site? Are there earthworks? Is there a pond? Um, Do you have those water tanks on site? Is your house ready for that cold snap and when the power goes off? Are you prepared? Is the site prepared? Is the house ready? Does it all work together in a great, like an organism, so that the whole site reinforces itself, traps the nutrients, traps the water, and recycles it within itself for greater systemic health and balance? Number five, adapt, manage, and refine. So over time, you're going to observe these things. You're going to adapt it. You're going to be managing it while you do all this. You're going to be changing things. You're going to be making things better, discussing things, all of it. And then final note, number two, the food and water preparation. That might also be medical. Uh, For us, we need uh, certain supplies, certain medications because my wife has no thyroid. So you may know people that have no thyroid or live on levothyroxine or a thyroid replacement pill. Levothyroxine, Synthroid, was the number one prescribed drug in America um, when my when my wife was prescribed it. So it's definitely got to be common that people are living on their medications, and if they lose that medication, organ failure happens within weeks. So um, keep that in mind. Uh, this is another reason why it freaks me out that there's a lot of people like in Facebook who are like, no, let it burn. This is a good sign. And it's like, really? You want to let it burn and let everyone's grandma potentially die? Or, you know what I mean? It's like there, there's a there's a, a high level of irresponsibility in that juvenile response that I see online. There's a lot of people saying that trying to fix the environment is hopium, like opium, hopium, like opiate for the masses, hopium. And I see a lot of Facebook groups that have the word climate and climate change and adaptation supporting these ones. So there's a lot of toxic thinking and interaction happening online. And I don't want you to get caught up on it. I want you to disregard it because it's all fake. And a lot of it's paid for to just drive us down and divide us in our current culture and society. So, so this you got to guard your mind right number one um and and you got to protect your family this is what what it's all about now let's look up bigger a permaculture path for site preparedness well number one you're going to study you're going to observe and you're going to reflect so you're going to learn then you're going to look at your site and be like what do i got here what can i do here you're going to reflect on that and then number two you're going to plan it out. You're going to write it all out. You're going to pick and choose from all the things that you create and written out the list and everything. And you're going to put a design together. You're going to discuss it with people. You're going to get advice. And then number three, you're going to build it. You're going to plant it. And then you're going to observe. Because when you put these things in, you might very quickly need to change things. You might very quickly see what you did wrong or what you did right. And like, oh, I'm, I'm going to spread this. Ah, I'm going to do more of this. And so in that early stages, before things take root, so to speak, you really can move things around and, and change things. And number four, you know this one, adapt, manage, and refine. So over time, you're going to make your site more resilient, more 
anti-fragile, more abundant. And, and that, that, that's going to have so many larger effects. So what does this mean? Prepare first for disruptions. Because this flooding, these wildfires, these droughts, it's all happening. I suggest three months to two years of self-reliance. And I'm saying self-reliance, not necessarily food storage, because you know a lot of people will go out and buy all the supplies that they need and then never eat them and have it all go bad and all that money was wasted. While other people might go out and get the seeds, might get the plants, might get some food storage, might get this and that, and then within six months, they're mostly off the grid. And then a year, they're like off grid and then like they choose to have this and that and the other. So I, I, I don't wanna like pigeonhole anyone into anything. Self-reliance is gonna look different for different people on different sites and different climates and different areas and bioregions and contexts. So months though, we need at least months because we've seen it go weeks. And the, the real issue is that it could go months. And if you're prepared for it to go months, let's say the prices spike and it, things get calm, you start growing your own food, you know, that's that spring, but it's in the middle of winter that the prices spiked makes sense well at that point your food storage becomes money and you instead of paying out top dollar for food that you already bought you get to eat the food and save all that money so it's really incredibly important that we think this way and we think about it now and prepare now and then preparing secondly for a new way of life so as i said not only are you going to be storing up food and having all this stuff on hand and these tools and these backups and generators, and but you're going to start eating local food. You're going to start eating your own food. You're going to start trading for things that you don't have. You're going to start capturing, filtering all your own water or nearly so. You start saving your own seed and trading for what you don't have. Have local seed swaps. You're going to start generating your own electricity and gas for heating and cooking. You're going to start building spaces that are passively heated and cooled. And you're going to start turning all your waste into compost or reusing and recycling it. And then like things like watersheds collectively and community wide, we're going to be managing these so that all of our wells start recharging again because they absolutely can. You might say no more imports, Matt. There will always be imports. We just can't rely upon them anymore. They're, the backbone of every stable and strong economy throughout all history has been self-reliance and natural capital combined. No dependent nation has been strong because they're dependent. And no nation without natural capital has been strong because that's their food, that's their fuel, that's their fiber, that's their everything is based upon natural capital. So... We can magnify those attributes of ourselves and our world to be more anti-fragile, more resilient, more self-reliant. And reliance upon imports and poor farming practices is really a potential global catastrophe in the making. So headlines, nitrogen shortage to force U.S. farmers to scale back fertilizer, CF says. This is November 4th, 2021. And here on the NASDAQ, the same thing. Nitrogen fertilizer shortage threatens to cut global crop yields. 
Fertilizer crisis means higher prices for every plate of food. Bloomberg, NASDAQ, NPR. A worldwide fertilizer shortage may shape what farmers plant next spring, October 29th. This is all happening in the last couple weeks. The realization that we are not going to make the mark is starting to settle in. But there's more to it. Sri Lanka bans fertilizers from China after finding it contaminated. So not only is there a shortage, what's left, people are finding it contaminated. I'm afraid we're going to have a food crisis. The energy crunch has made fertilizer too expensive to produce. The energy crunch? We mentioned gas prices early. What are they talking about? Since January, oil prices have gone up 50%, but it's more than that. In 2019, Saudi Arabia was attacked by an unidentified drone group. And people say that Iran did it. Um, it's not so clear. There's, there's a lot of examples now of rogue drone operations where we don't know who did it. And the reality is if one drone attack can knock out half the oil supply of Saudi Arabia, causing incredible harm to the supply chain everywhere, then this is happening all the time. There have been hacker attacks on meat processing, on shipping, on electricity, on energy, all of the above. These non-conventional attacks are destabilizing our economies, destabilizing the energy supply as well. And they're no accidents. There's signs of a weak system that is open to attack. And so as we know in nature, when something is open to infection, open to attack, when something is weak, it will get outcompeted. It will be removed by the system. We no longer can rely upon importation of energy, food, fuel, medicine, or more. We're done with that. Because the only ethical decision is to take responsibility for our own existence and that of our children to make it now. We're right back at the beginning again. Bill saw the future. He saw that these governments weren't going to be able to handle the complexity. It's too big of a problem. These, all these overlapping, converging problems are so large, so detailed, and they are just human. We have to take charge here. We have to take responsibility. We can respond on our sites, in our communities, and, and they really can't. They're overwhelmed. And that makes sense. I mean, it's a lot of converging things. I mean, we've all seen the writing on the wall, right? The degenerative economy where we work for money and we spend it on food and rent and stuff. It's growing. And in, in, in what we see happening is for our future and for our kids, they're going to get less money, less jobs, less reliable work, more inflation, more hours working. And at the same time, Crop failures are rising, foodborne illnesses are rising, nutrition is dropping, and prices are exponentially rising. So this looks really bad. This looks like a dead-end street for my boy. And you may have felt like this for you as well. And ideally, we want to work less and spend less so we save more and make our, our side of this equation better. But that means, by their measure, that the degenerative economy has to shrink. The reality is, is if we can take what energy we can from that system and put it into permaculture, into a regenerative system, 
We'll get exponential growth in food, seed, health, money, you name it. And over time, that turns into an economic stability, supply chain resilience, money in our communities, more opportunities for everyone to work or start a business, more local businesses, climate stability, and so much more. Permaculture is the seed for regenerative local economic revival to bring back our communities and bring back the natural capital that is the backbone and, and, and foundation, the bedrock of wealth for all and opportunity for all. So this is what it's really about. It makes me happy. We all want to be bioregional and local, self-reliant, independent, free, and strong. All this hinges upon our relationship with nature and each other. Permaculture is the best solution to our problems today and on into the future because it asks us to slow down, to think, partner with nature, care for others, prepare holistically, and be both self-reliant and a support in a larger community. And the best part, it's real. This is real. And it's happening right now, and you can be part of it. My story. So I was a professional musician. I was in New York City. I played with people like this. I met my wife, and everything changed. We started our family. But in the process of that, she got cancer. And very early on in our young family, she lost her thyroid and had radiation treatments. And at the end of that, she wanted to leave. And so I quit that job, my dream job, and I moved out west. And I eventually became a teacher. And during that, I was a school teacher living in a garage with a wife and two kids. And it was very hard. I had a lot of fun, but it was very, very hard because I could see that I wasn't going to get out of my situation. I was working in the sixth most violent county in America. And cancer kept coming back for my wife. And I was a school teacher so that I could be around more often and get health care. But the health care started to be $700 a month after it started off as free. So I was making less and less money every single year than I did as a first-year teacher, even though I had a master's degree and tenure and was head of the English department. But it gets better. Permaculture is what I learned, and it chilled me out. It gave me solutions. It gave me a path. It gave me a way to feed my family. It gave me a way to heal my wife. It gave me perspective. It gave me peace. And it gave me squash seeds like crazy. <laughs> and more squash and more squash. It's a thing. All gardeners realize this. At a certain point, you realize, hey, you know, I have enough squash. Do you want some? Um, but as a young dad working off debt, uh, there was real growth in my life. I got to see my boys grow as they learned to grow food and rely upon the land and themselves to provide. It also gave me wiggle room and meaning. I could get better at all these things and I could also save money and then I could do more for my kids and for my wife and for our future. Outside of permaculture, I saw no growth in my world. The one person that protected me in the district left. And so suddenly I found myself very hemmed in, very criticized, very attacked. It was a really hard time and I left education because they literally forced me out like they forced so many educators out, especially the best educators out. 
So I decided to not leave my teaching behind, but to combine my two worlds, permaculture and teaching. And when I did that, everything changed. In one month, I made as much money as I make in an entire year as a teacher. And it was writing this book. And ever since then, my books have been going around the world. They've been translated into many different languages. And that's, you know, really when it all came together for me. Over 20 books in seven years, over six languages, over 10 online courses in schools, universities, and thousands of students. Permaculture, K through 12 and university, advanced permaculture, regenerative soil science, self-publishing and writing, regenerative entrepreneurship, permaculture gardening, growth mindset, and high performance habits. I work with scientists, farmers, researchers, professors, gardeners, schools, teachers, and ethical organizations. Folks like this. Organizations like this. And I'm creating the academic bridge to the regenerative economy so that we can teach people the skills they need to live a regenerative life and have the economy based on making the world a better place holistically for both people and the biodiversity, the nature, all of it on into the future. And it was also my children's childhood. So they grew up this way and they got to try everything. They got to do everything. So I, I really value it a lot. It's been a long road and we've learned a lot. I've grown gardens in many different states and in many different climates. And I've coached and taught students in every climate and context. Meet Sean. Sean is incredible. He grows his own food, saves his own seed, makes his own soil, makes his own fertilizer, shares with the community as an example and a teacher. And he loves it. Sean is so happy working in the garden, providing for his family. And you could too. Meet Beth. Beth is absolutely a ray of sunshine. She grows her own food, saves her own seed, and works with schools. She teaches permaculture in public schools in Australia to children and gets families motivated and other teachers involved to spread permaculture to more and more people. You could do the same thing. Chris Black grows his own food, saves his own seed, works with the community, restores wetlands and salmon habitat, and works with veterans. And so can you meet Mike. Mike Garcia grows his own food, saves his own seed, serves his community, and builds ponds and gardens, works with schools, and wins. Awards doing it. These are my students. This isn't just for them. It's for you. You are invited to the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. The fifth season begins in just a few days, November 15th. I hope that you can join us. These are our teachers. We have over 70 plus educators from around the world representing niches like soil science, mycology, mushroom growing, composting, bokashi, green natural farming, earthworks, design, and more. All climates and all contexts are represented and covered. This is for gardeners, farmers, ranchers, homesteaders, seed savers, mushroom cultivators, designers, consultants, and teachers. And it's community-based. There's a private social network in this. We talk about things. We've got live Q&A weekly. 
There's over 200 hours of content. You can delve deep into so many subjects. You can find the niche areas that you want to study deeper in. You can get connected. There is no other course that teaches at this depth and breadth. There are so many benefits too. You can grow an abundance of food, save an abundance of seed. You can design a permaculture site and you can install a permaculture site and its lifetime membership in a global community. On top of all of that, you can develop a regenerative business and launch a regenerative business. It's clarity, it's direction, and it's peace of mind in a world filled with turmoil and confusion. It's project-based and student-centered, so the designs you make to get your certification in permaculture design, you can make real and get recognition for it. So make it real and refine it because it's lifetime access. So we're not gonna kick you out after we give you the information. We want you to stay in. We wanna help you adapt, refine, and manage over time as a community. And it's accredited, peer-reviewed, standard-based, and fully cited. There's no other program like it. And as a bonus this year, we have an exclusive private social network. So you can have your personal profile, you can like and share things, you can post videos and pictures, all of the things you like about social media, but without the social media, all in this one package. And I, I, I know you might say, Matt, I don't have time to read that physical book or I don't like to read the ebook. Well, I got you covered because you can listen to the entire workbook and textbook as, an, as a read-along audiobook in the course. So this is incredibly special. This is, this is something you can download as well and listen to while you work. Not only the books, you could be downloading the audio from all the course videos. And we have incredible eBooks. I mentioned the Permaculture Student 2 set that we have as an audiobook, but we also have the Regenerative Career Guide, Thalassotherapy, Permaculture Chickens, and the Seven Steps to Success, Finding Land for the Permaculture Homestead and Farm of Your Dreams an incredible collection and value. And on top of that, right now, we have over 60% off. So this is an opportunity like no other. And we have options with amazing bonuses as well. Have you ever had challenges with your soil? The introduction to regenerative soil is included as a bonus. It's a $250 value and it's a soil deep dive with the latest science. It's over 30 hours. And it's a bonus when you sign up at the second tier level. So if you wanna know about your soil, how to work with your soil at a higher level, what this huge hype is around regenerative soil, why people are so excited about regenerative soil, this course is gonna give you a deep insight into what's really going on. It's an extensive introduction. Because soil is the bedrock of permaculture, so you're gonna wanna get as much information in your head and in your hands about soil as possible. Regenerative entrepreneurs and experts. This is another bonus. This is the top tier bonus. If you want to start a business, there is no better program than regenerative entrepreneurs and experts. It covers regenerative business planning, holistic alignment for teachers and businesses, proven crowdfunding best practices, marketing and branding online, 
presenting and speaking best practices. And I have over 20 years experience with online social media marketing. And on top of that, I have over 10 years of teaching teachers and students about presenting and speaking. So this is a comprehensive program. This is one of my favorite courses and it's one of my favorite bonuses because people have launched crowdfunders successfully. They've launched new businesses successfully. They've enhanced their businesses, taken them out of stagnant places and supercharged them with this course. It's everything I do, it's a full reveal. So if you wanna be like me, that's what you wanna do. It's a $500 value and it's a free bonus when you sign up at the 30% off level. So you get $500 off and you gain a $500 course. The value of this sign up cannot be understated. You can learn how I do what I do, making a living, supporting my entire family, getting out of debt, getting out of that garage, paying for all of these books to be printed without ever going to a, a large pub publisher or printer. I do it all DIY. I talk directly to people. I can show you how to do it. I can show you every step of the way. So become a regenerative entrepreneur and launch your next big idea with regenerative entrepreneurs and experts, which is a free bonus when you sign up for the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. When we add it all up, the video training, the audio books, the eBooks, the social network, the business feedback, the design feedback, the bonus courses, it is thousands of dollars worth of value. But the knowledge and skills to live regeneratively on the earth are priceless. This is the most valuable skill, how to live well, how to live healthily, how to live ethically. And your price today is a fraction, less than one-tenth of that cost. And it's broken up into payment plans, so it's as low as $50 a month. And on top of that, it's lifetime access. So the value is unlimited. There's easy payment plans and there's no risk. In fact, you can even try this using the link below. A, this is the only place that it's gonna be, so pay attention. If you go click below, there's a free three-day trial. You don't have to pay, you can just sign up. The whole course is open. You can even be downloading things, but I, I trust you. I want you to come in and see you know, the, the whole thing. Come in and see the whole house, right? Open house because the value is so extreme. The community is so amazing that it's life-changing and I know that you're gonna stay. I know that you're gonna wanna hang out. I know that you're gonna wanna grow with us. Sign-ups close soon, we start on Monday. Don't miss out. I want everyone to be prepared this year. There is a path, there is a way to a better and brighter future, a regenerative one. You've waited long enough. In your heart of hearts, you know that it's possible. You know that this future is real. So join us. Make it happen. Join the Advanced Permaculture Student Online. See what everyone's talking about. And get access to the course, the community, the bonuses, and the books. And gain the knowledge, the skills, and have the results that you are seeking. And get that abundance of food, abundance of seed, your dream permaculture site, an abundant community, a regenerative business, and an abundant life. We begin November 15th. Sign up soon. I'm Matt Powers. 
grow abundantly, learn daily, and live regeneratively. Join the Advanced Permaculture Student online and let's make the future bright. I'm Matt Powers. I'll see you inside the course.